Well, it's time for the Word of God, and I want us uh, just to take a moment and ask God's blessing on uh, our time together in His Word. We're going to be in Psalm 40, Psalm 40, but I want to go to God in prayer. Lord, let the words of my mouth, the meditation of our hearts, let them be acceptable in thy sight. Lord, you are our strength, and you are our Redeemer. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. Listen to what God's Word says in Psalm 40, verse 1. I waited patiently for the Lord, and he inclined to me and heard my cry. He also brought me up out of a horrible pit, out of the miry clay, and set my feet upon a rock and established my steps. He has put a new song in my mouth praise to our God. Many will see it and fear and will trust in the Lord. He says, I waited patiently for the Lord and he inclined to me and he heard my cry. Uh, some things are worth waiting for. It's worth waiting for. This is a psalm of King David. Of course, all scripture is God breathed. All Scripture is God-given. God's Holy Spirit inspired King David to write Psalm 40, and King David wrote it as a song. This is a hymn. This is a song that's supposed to be sung in the context of worship. So when they would come to the house of God, this would be the song that they would sing with others and to God. I waited patiently on the Lord. And there are some theologians and scholars that suggest that uh, when King David wrote this, uh, he wrote this um, during a time of a near-death experience or coming out of a near-death experience uh, because when he, he mentions this horrible pit, this, this miry pit that he was in, this slimy pit, that is a reference to Sheol. That's a, that's a reference to the place of the dead. So they suggest that David was in a near-death experience. Some say that uh, he, had, he had gotten a sickness, and he had gotten so sick that he was given up on, and nobody thought he was going to come out of that and make it. But yet, he came out of that near-death experience from that sickness. It could have been a sickness. I'm not saying it wasn't, but David had more near-death experiences than just that. Uh, even when he was a youngster watching over his father-in-law's sheep. Uh, on one occasion, a bear jumps out to attack the sheep, and he had to defend the sheep. On another occasion, a lion jumped out, and he had to defend the sheep again against the lion. And more than likely, those are near-death experiences. He had more than one near-death experience. Even when he was working for King Saul in the palace, David loved Saul, but Saul had some psychological issues. And at one time, he threw a spear at David and, and nearly took David's life. That was a near-death experience. And then on another occasion, David had to get out of, he had to get out of Israel. He, he was a refugee. He was on the run and ended up in a cave called Adalan, and he was down and depressed himself. And then here comes 400 men who are discontent and down and in debt, and they look to David for leadership. And all those experiences that they had were some near-death experiences, or maybe David up against Goliath. And especially when Absalom, David's son, tried to kill him. 
try to take David out, so Absalom wanted to become king. And that was a near-death experience. But whatever the experience was, this shield, this horrible pit, this grave situation, David penned this song saying, I waited patiently on the Lord. And, and some suggest that when you're really trying to understand Psalm 40, uh, you got to look at the adjectives that are there. Uh, the adjectives. It's, a, it's horrible. It's miry. It's muddy. It's slimy. You got to look at the adjectives that are there. And, and that's significant when you're trying to understand the situation you're in, a crisis or calamity that you're in, the confusion and chaos, uh, the description. We don't want to put our head in the sand and act like things are not going on. We have to be honest with ourselves in the description as to what is taking place, that there is a pandemic, that there is sickness, that there is disease, that there is a global crisis, there is an economical downturn, that jobs are being lost, that health is being lost, that lies are being told. It, we can't ignore uh, the circumstances, so we look at the description here, the adjectives. But you don't want to just stop at the adjectives describing how bad it is. But in Psalm 40, you also you need to look at the verbs too. The verbs, yes, he inclined to me. He, he turned to me. He bowed to me. He heard me brought out, lifted out, established, set on. It, so there's some verbs here too. There's some action that is taking place in the midst of this messed up description as to what is going on. Well, if we're going to look at the adjectives, if we're going to look at the verbs, certainly we got to look at the subject. Well, what are the subjects? Uh, he brought me out. He lifted me. He set my feet on a rock. He established my goings. And who is this subject? Who is this he? Oh, it's the same one that David talked about in verse 1. I waited on the Lord, Jehovah, the promise-making, promise-keeping God. I wasn't just waiting on anyone and everyone and anything. I waited on the Lord. That's the he in the text. He, that's how I know we're going to be all right. Because he, that, that he, that's... That's Jehovah Jireh. That's the God that provides. That's uh, Jehovah Shalom. That's the Lord that brings peace. He is Jehovah Rapha. That's the God that heals. He, Elohim, the God that makes a way out of no way. He is wonderful, counselor, mighty God, prince of peace, everlasting father. He is Christ. He is Messiah. He is the anointed one. He's a way maker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in darkness. That's who he is. No wonder David said, I waited patiently because I'm waiting on the Lord. And that's the thing. All of us are waiting. Can't help but wait. But some of us are just not waiting patiently. We're waiting. Uh, whether you, you're waiting on this crisis to end or you wait at the doctor's office or wait in the uh, the dentist's office or waiting in the emergency room or waiting on a promotion or waiting on a raise or waiting on a man or waiting on a woman or waiting on your marriage to get better or waiting on an educational opportunity. All of us spend time waiting, but all of us don't wait patiently. Some of us wait uh, murmuring. Some of us wait complaining. Uh, some of us wait 
but we got an attitude in our waiting. But David said, I waited patiently on the Lord. Uh, people ask me in the middle of this pandemic, uh, when are we going to return not having church just um, online, but having church on site? And we are eventually, we're going to do that. I believe he's going to bring us out. He's going to lift us out of this. I know that's going to happen. And folk want to know, when, are we going to, when is that going to take place? Well, I, I'm waiting patiently. But understand, I listen to health officials and I, those who are members of our congregation, those that I know I'm close to, and, and some that I respect who we see on the news. And I listen to government officials. They have the insight and the intel, and then I listen to them. Not all of them. You got to be careful who you listen to and look to. But there are those I, government officials and health officials. I listen to other pastors and ministers that are going through the same thing. But to tell you the truth, I'm not, I'm not waiting on the doctors. I'm not waiting on the researchers. I'm not waiting on government officials. I'm not waiting on health officials. I'm, I'm waiting on the Lord. You and I got to learn to do like David said. I waited patiently, not just waiting, but you must learn how to wait patiently on the Lord. Patiently on him? Yeah, I, 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 I don't understand why so many of us just, we, we're always in a hurry, even when it comes to the Lord. I looked those words up, waited patiently, because the Bible was written in Hebrew and translated into English. And when I looked up waited and patiently, it's the same word in the Hebrew. I waited patiently. It's the same word. So really what David is saying is, I waited and waited. And actually, fundamentally, out of the Hebrew, it means gathered together. So he says, I gathered together and gathered together. David talked about that horrible pit. He talked about that slimy pit. He talked about that that grave situation, that near-death experience, but he said, I gathered together and gathered together. That when things around me were falling apart, I still held it together. That's my word to you. That why things are falling apart. And I know it's doing that locally, and it's doing that nationally and internationally, but you got to hold it together. You got to gather together and gather together. You got to wait and wait. You got to wait patiently on the Lord. And, and so many of us, we, we want our blessings from God and our benefits and benevolence from God the same way we do our grocery shopping. When we go grocery shopping, man, we're not just looking for chicken and meat and sausage. And, no, we, we look at the packaging when we go grocery shopping because we don't want to do any real cooking. And we want things that are ready to eat, that are uh, heat and serve, uh, already done, ready in a minute. That's how, we want, we, that's how we want our groceries, and that's how we want our blessings. We want it already done, ready in a minute, heat and eat. We want God to do everything right now, and we serve uh, right now God. Somebody suggested that, uh, that God is a He's quicker than immediately and sooner than right now. That's the kind of God we serve. But there are times that God wants us to wait and to wait patiently, to gather together and gather together. Why is it when we read Scripture and we see the heroes and the sheroes in the Scripture that we celebrate 
these heroes and sheroes with their patience. But we don't, we celebrate them, but we don't want to emulate them. Uh, we celebrate Abraham and Sarah. God made them a promise that they were going to have a son. And through this one son, all the nations of the world are going to be blessed. Because through that one son, that's, uh, Jesus would be in that lineage. And salvation comes in Jesus for the entire world. But when God made them that promise, it was 25 years later when they had the baby. And we celebrate them for their waiting, but we don't want to emulate them. And then Joseph was 17 years old in the Old Testament. Joseph was 17 years old. He has a dream from God that he's going to be big and major and a big baller. He's going to live life large. But it was more than 13 years later, out of all the issues that he went through, that he got to the palace in Egypt and second in command and came up with a plan that would save Egypt and the world. And we celebrate Joseph and his patience, but we don't want to emulate that. Noah preached for a hundred years. <laughs> it's going to rain. You better get in his ark. And we celebrate the fact that he patiently waited, but we don't want to emulate that. And then Jesus was 30 years old before he started his earthly ministry. And then when it's time for us to wait, we wait grudgingly and we wait murmuring and we wait complaining, even though we celebrate these heroes and sheroes and their ability to wait on God. God told me to tell you, you must wait patiently on the Lord. And our songwriters, well, before I quote the songwriters, let me quote Isaiah. They that wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles and run and not be weary, walk and not faint. Y'all, you got to learn how to wait on God. The songwriter said, you can't hurry God. No, you just got to wait. You got to trust and give him time no matter how long it takes. He's a God that you can't hurry. You don't have to worry. He may not come when you want him, but he'll be there right on time. And then another songwriter said, he's an on-time God. And we always holler back, yes, he is. We need to learn how to wait patiently on the Lord. And David waited prayerfully on the Lord. He said, I waited patiently on the Lord, and he inclined his ear to me. <laughs> In Psalm 40, he inclined his ear. One translation said, and he turned towards me. Another says, and he bowed his head towards me, and he heard my cry. That's how I know he's praying, because he heard my cry. Yo, how can God hear you? If you won't talk to him, it is in these difficulties, in these hardships, in these times that are so messed up that it's not time for us to get mad at God and sit on the sideline. No, but to understand that God hears us when we pray, it's time for us to start praying. Jesus said, ask, you shall receive, seek, you shall find, knock, the door shall be open unto you. The apostle James says, you have not because you ask not. Your God is a God that hears us when we pray, that when you cry unto the Lord, uh, he inclines his ear to you. He turns towards you. He bows his head, and he hears you. I love that because to me, uh, hearing goes a lot further than listening. Uh, hearing is about uh, a favorable response to the listening. <laughs> so when somebody, somebody can listen and not do anything, 
But when they hear you, there's a favorable response on your behalf in that situation. When my children, my son's all grown, but when they, when they were at the house as youngsters and I would tell them to do something, take out the trash, uh, go clean your room, go wash the dishes. If I tell them to do something and they don't move in a timely manner, and then I'll say something like this, did you hear me? I don't ask them, are you listening to me? Because you can listen and do nothing. But if you hear me, then you're going to respond to what you hear me say. David says, when you and I pray that God hears us, that he responds favorably on our behalf. Well, what does that look like? Well, remember the adjective. Remember how it was described. I'm in a slimy pit. I'm in a horrible pit. I'm in a miry pit. I'm in a messed up situation. I'm in a, a grave situation. I'm in a near-death situation, but I waited patiently on the Lord. I, 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 I prayed unto the Lord. And then watch what happens when you pray unto him. And he brought me out. He lifted me out. And he set my feet on a rock. Watch this. He lifted me out. He brought me out of that pit. And then he set me upon a rock. Hallelujah. When you call on the Lord in prayer, I'm letting you know that God hears and answers that prayer. Just a little talk with Jesus. Tell him all about your trouble. He'll hear your fainted cry. He'll answer by and by. Just a little talk with Jesus makes everything all right. He will lift you out. He will bring you out and set you on a rock. I love that. It doesn't mean that we're not going to go through issues and trouble, but in the issues and trouble, he's going to set us on a rock. I know that there are those that told you that when you put your faith in Jesus and you trust in him and you obey Jesus, everything is going to be smooth. No problems are going to come. That's the biggest lie that's ever been told. Jesus preached a sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 5, 6, and closed in chapter 7. And in, verse, in chapter 7, when Jesus preached it, he closes the sermon by saying, now if you hear these words of mine and you do not obey them, it's like a man that builds his house on sand. Sand is shifty. Sand is, sand is shaky. Sand is insecure. He said, if you hear what I'm saying, my words, and don't obey, it's like building your house on sand. Then Jesus said, but if you hear these words of mine and you obey them, it's like a man that builds his house on a rock. On a rock? Yeah, secure sound, stable, building it on a rock. And then Jesus said, and then the rain falls and the wind blows and the floods rise. Now, here's what I'm trying to get across to you. If you hear his words and you don't obey and you build on sand, or if you hear his words and you do obey, you build on the rock, same storms come. Rains fall, winds blow, floods rise. Whether you hear and obey or hear and disobey, we go through the same storms. Then what's the benefit? You are on a rock, something that is sound and secure. When you wait patiently on the Lord and prayerfully on the Lord, he's going to take you and set you on a rock. That's how I know everything is going to be all right. It doesn't mean you're not going to deal with the crisis and the chaos and the confusion, but you're going to come out all right. You're on a rock. You're stable and secure. Jesus said, upon this rock, I'll build my church. The Bible teaches us Jesus is that rejected stone, 
that became the chief cornerstone. We're on that rock. When I was a kid growing up in church, we used to sing about that rock. Rock of ages, cleft for me, let me hide myself in thee. When I was a child, they taught us about the rock through gospel songs. On Christ, the solid rock I stand. All of the ground is sinking, saying, where can I go? when there's no one I can turn to? Who can I talk to when no one wants to listen? Who can I lean on when the earth all around is unstable? I go to the rock. I know he's able. I go to the rock. I go to the rock of our salvation. I go to the stone that the builders rejected. I run to the mountain, and the mountain stands by me. When earth all around is sinking sand, on Christ, the solid rock I stand. When I need a shelter, when I need a friend, I go to the rock. And when I wait patiently and prayerfully on the Lord, he pulls me out, he lifts me out, and he sets me on a rock. Y'all, this is not a setback for us. This is a set up for us. Then, Pastor, why would God allow us to go through this near-death experience, this, this horrible pit? Why would God do that anyway? Well, it also says that, that the Lord... He established my goings, one translation says. He established my steps. So wait a minute. I went through this near-death experience. I waited on the Lord. I prayed. And he established my goings. Yeah, the places I go, God established those. Evidently, David, before you went through this near-death experience, evidently your priorities were off in your goings, in your steps, in your places, that you were going places that were not really high priority. And so God allows some things to take place in your life to change your priority in terms of your places. He established your steps. He established your goings. Young people, and I praise God, there are young people that are trying to learn theology and shape their theology. I praise God for that. They'll ask me things like, is it right to go here? Is it wrong to go there? Is it right to go to a dance or wrong to go to a dance? Is it right to go to a party or wrong? Well, I guess it all depends on the party. It all depends on the dance. It all depends on what's happening in the place. But here's what I try to get across to them. It's not just right or wrong. Is it worthwhile? You may be going to a place that the Scriptures doesn't say is wrong to go. It might be right. But is it worthwhile? It's priority that I'm talking about. And I believe every now and then in your life and in mine that our goings were off. <laughs> and then God sends something to redirect us to establish our goings, our steps. Because the steps of a good person are ordered by the Lord. So he, he sets my feet he sets me on a rock, and he established my goal, helped me to get my priorities straight. And not just it's a right place, but it's a worthwhile place that I'm going. And I love this. He brings me out. He pulls me out. And I, I know that there's, there's going to come a time in this crisis, he's going to pull us out, that in this pandemic, he's going to pull us out, that in this sickness and all this disease, there's going to come a day that the Lord is going to pull us out. We got to wait patiently for that to happen. We can't rush God. God doesn't get in a hurry over things that upset us. There are no emergencies with God. But I'm so glad that that day is coming. He's going to pull us out of this because we've already proven we can't pull ourselves out. 
It was in 2007 in, in, at the Milwaukee County Zoo that Zero, the polar bear, was playing with some kind of toy and then lost his footing and, and Zero, the polar bear, fell in this moat. It was a, it was, it was a dry moat, but it was a, a moat. It was a pit that he fell into. And Zero, the bear, uh, he couldn't get himself out. He couldn't climb back up. Matter of fact, there was a staircase that was there, and the zookeepers were hoping that Zero the Bear would somehow notice that staircase at the bottom of that moat and climb back up. And they waited two weeks for that to happen. They would send down food and water, but Zero the Bear, after losing his footing and having a misstep playing with that toy, falls down, but he can't get up himself. Finally, they didn't want him to stay there any longer, thinking it might have a psychological impact on Zero. So they took a veterinarian and put him in what's called a man basket. And the vet gets in the man basket, and they send this one man down to where Zero is, because Zero can't get himself out, so son, they send one man down. And he gives Zero a, a sedative so that Zero <laughs> won't try to hurt the one that's seeking to rescue him and save him. And after getting the sedative, they put a harness around Zero the bear, and they're able now to pull him out. And when I was reading that story, it dawned on me that that's what happened with, with us, that we were playing around in places we shouldn't have been and playing around with things we shouldn't have been playing around with and playing around with time that we shouldn't have been playing with and lost our footing and fell into sin and fell into unrighteousness and fell into ungodliness and could not save ourselves. We could not pull ourselves out. And God loved us so much that he sent one person down from heaven. His name is Jesus. And Jesus came down and put something in us, someone in us, his Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. And, the, and that sin we couldn't get out of on our, on our own, that ungodliness, we couldn't find our way to climb back up. That pit, that horrible pit, that shield, that place of death. But Jesus came to where we are, died on the cross. God raised him from the dead. He put his Holy Spirit in us, and now he has pulled us out. Hallelujah. And so I've learned to wait patiently on the Lord and prayerfully on the Lord. And then finally, in verse 3 of Psalm 40, David said, when the Lord brought me out, pulled me out, set me on a rock. It's not a setback. It's a setup. David said that God put a new song in my mouth, and I praised him. Hallelujah. Others would learn of him and fear him and have awe for him and trust in the Lord because of what I went through. He put a new song in my mouth, and I began to praise him. Y'all, after you have waited patiently on the Lord and prayerfully on the Lord and he pulls you out, that's the time to worship and praise the Lord. When David came out, he didn't come out sad. When the Lord brought him out, he didn't come out sorrowful. He came out singing. God put a new song in his mouth. Every believer needs a song. The very fact that God pulled, matter of fact, you don't even have to wait till God pulls you out. Just the fact you have enough faith in the Lord to know he's going to do it. You don't have to wait till the battle's over. You can sing right now. You can shout right now. You can worship and praise him right now. He put a song in my mouth. Out of all I went through, <laughs> all the hell I was facing, 
and God gave me a song. Y'all, don't, don't go through this coming out sad and sorrowful. God will give you joy even in the time of sorrow. Come out singing. God gave me a picture of this because you don't have to wait till he brings you up. You got enough faith to trust him. God gave me a picture of this while I was driving to church this morning. And as I was driving to church, a young lady pulls up next to me at a stoplight. And as I glanced over, she was so animated. She was so animated. I was, at first, I thought she was upset about something. And she was just going at it and going at it. And I turned my radio down, and I lowered my window, and I could hear uh, a song playing. And she was shouting and praising to a song. She's in a pandemic and still giving God praise. I could hear Vicki Winans singing from that car. I've been lied on, cheated, talked about, mistreated, up, down, almost leveled to the ground. But as long as I got King Jesus, I don't need nobody else. In a pandemic, in a crisis, in chaos, here is a young woman still giving God praise even in the midst of the problems. And that's my word to you. Don't come out sad and sorrowful. Go on and sing unto the Lord. God said, come before my presence with singing. And y'all, I tell you this, I'm singing even in the midst of the situations that we're in, I'm still singing. And I'm, I'm not singing because I got a good voice. <laughs> Truth is, I don't have a good voice. And I don't sing because I've had voice lessons. Truth is, I've never had a voice lesson. But I sing because I'm happy. I sing because I'm free. His eye is on the sparrow, and I know he's watching me. It's time for us to wait patiently. Don't rush into something when you know it's not God's timing. And wait prayerfully. God is listening. God hears you. He'll bring you out. He'll lift you out. He'll, he'll set you on a rock, keep you sound and secure. And he'll establish your goings, your steps, and get you to that destination. And he's already given you a song. Do you have enough faith that in the situation you're in to sing praises and glory unto God, knowing that God is going to do everything he said he's going to do? Hallelujah to the Lamb.